bad and bullshit. Welcome to the Bad and Bitchy Podcast. I'm Erica. And I'm Amy. So it's been a couple of weeks um, and the election is in full gear. But before we get into that, just a reminder that we have merch. Uh, you can find it at redbubble.com slash people slash bad and bitchy. Also, if you've been listening for a while or even if you're new, support us and our work on Patreon. Patreon.com slash bad and bitchy. And just a reminder that we have a weekly column in the Hill Times. If you're not a subscriber, we post all of our columns on our website, badandbitchy.com. Finally, we're on social media. All of our contact info can be found in the description of the episode. So I do want to say, like, we are probably going to bring in some points from some of our previ- some of our election columns. Um, and... Just because we know that there's a paywall and not everybody can access it. So find it on badandbitchy.com. This is our big election day pod. Amy, (laughs) it's the last day of this, oh God, this election. (laughs) Do you have any opening thoughts? (laughs) Oh boy. Um, well... I'm tired as fuck. I'm sure you are too. A lot of people are. I found this election uh, to be, yeah, quite tiresome and like super uninspired and just frustrating as all hell. Um, And I just, I really am just so struck by the shift in tone from the 2015 election. Wow. To the election we've had this year. What Um, a big deal four years makes. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, the cynicism has really taken hold. I really do think 2016 was the watershed moment. It was the watershed year for um, politics, media, and culture mm-hmm. in terms of that shift. Right. Um, and 2016 was when when Brexit was voted on, when Trump was elected, the emails, and then and then all of the nastiness just culminated mm-hmm. and has just been spewing out since. Mm-hmm like a geyser and what I find is that I'm really really this is the worst election I would say maybe in I would I would say maybe I don't know 15 years 20 years a generation yeah yeah it is ugly it is petty there are no mm-hmm. ideas. It is very small-minded. Mm-hmm. We have some really big issues coming up. And we mentioned this in our column. Um, we haven't talked about labor, the future of work. We haven't talked about the surveillance economy. We haven't talked about affordability. Not just housing, but actual mm-hmm. affordability. Well, and even the conversations you had about housing are just... Oh, they're not structural conversations. No, we're not having structural conversations for a world that we're in now. We're mm-hmm. trying to do everything to preserve a world that we think we had. And that is what yeah, has yeah, struck that's me. that's a great way to put it. With this election, mm-hmm. is how much people, how much the parties want to just put their heads in the sand and just spew the same old talking points, mm-hmm. go after the same old people, and, like, they haven't figured well, out that the generation has changed. Even even if you look at um, 
like meeting the, you know, if we were to meet the parties where they're at, you know, I'm not asking the conservatives to run on the most progressive platform. No. But you look at the conservative platform and they're running on Harper era tax benefits. Yeah. And the, boat, <laughs> the boutique tax credits, especially. Absolutely. You know, like children recreation tax, the sports tax credits, these types of things. A lot of the um, vast majority of the things in their platform was pulled from things that were scrapped by the liberals yes. that came in under Harper. Yes. And, I mean, that's super uninspired, but also, I mean, they're, they've learned nothing from yes. the last, uh, you know, their most recent laws. And, and again, like, it, it doesn't, there's no vision in that either, even from a conservative perspective. No, it's there's not. That's lacking there. No, um, it's not. Like, they, they've been especially yeah. petty. And, and even, and then the liberals too, it's like every, and, and this whole, the whole structure of the, uh, all election campaigns, you know, say, putting off, putting out a platform until the very last minute, you know, not costing things in the platform, and then just having day-to-day announcements, two billion trees, camp, you know, like the the camp program, whatever, uh, all of this sort of like just like, and I'm, I mean the two whatever the two billion trees are kind of cool, but it's it's just such a piddly random thing to have individual press conference announcements over. Over, over planting yeah, trees. Those sorts of things. This is your big idea, is planting motherfucking trees. This is your big idea. Why are we not even having structural conversations? Mm-hmm. I mean... Also, just build, just plant the damn trees. You had four years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whose who's approval do you need to plant these trees? Just go out and plant, like, have... Plant the motherfucking the trees. trees. What are we doing here? I mean... Isn't that what we have F swept for? That's uh, that's the student <laughs> workers employment program. Everybody, you address student uh, employment rates and <laughs> you know, know why don't we get? You know what? We should pull the anti-abortion vote, put them in the yeah. tree in the forest, and then make them preserve life. Yeah, you know. But even in the debates, you know, thing like it, it, the way the debates were structured, even though there was only a handful or really two, and then the third without Trudeau, but. Um, you didn't have the um, conversation even geared around, uh, you know, and again, this isn't, I obviously, I do have a personal bias towards the NDP platform. The NDP platform at least did have Pharmacare. The liberals were talking about Pharmacare, and we never really got to put those two plans against each other in terms of, like, the public discourse and have a campaign about universal Pharmacare. Right. Um, and, like, or rather have that be a campaign issue. And you look at the issues that people care about. I mean, yeah, affordability is up there. There's, but climate change, like, you know, climate change is up there. But, you know, I think people feel that they're a little bit of precarity. Their future is uncertain. Things like universal programs like Pharmacare, date, child care, which were elements of which, to varying degrees of universality, were in the Liberal and NDP platforms. Mm-hmm. And just weren't part of the conversation because we let the framing from the beginning, even before the writ drop, people were saying, oh, well, I can't vote for the NDP because, you know, I don't want Sheer to win. So even before the Liberal strategic voting nonsense came in, people were already self-policing themselves out of this, like, stop Sheer, you know, I, you know perspective and everyone was like well you know it's a lesser of two evils lesser of two evils i don't want to have a lesser of two evils election you know yeah we don't want a lesser of two evils government and i'm glad you brought up strategic voting amy because i've been so i've been tweeting about this ever since so our last hill times piece we wrote about strategic voting and basically how it's bullshit and in my opinion strategic voting is a way for the two big parties to consolidate their voter base 
by scaring everybody else, everybody out mm -hmm. of voting for another party other than themselves. Yeah. And what do you think that's going to do? So when when we complain about a lack of choice in our elect our in <clears throat> our elections, yeah. right? We through our own behavior are um contributing to that. Yeah, we're forfeiting our choice yeah. to, for you know because we we are kind of led into this discussion that we have only two choices because only two parties have ever governed federally. Well, you know, different parties have governed provincially. There are, you know, there are parties that are run that have records. You know, the NDP, Green, the Bloc have histories in Parliament. They're, they have a legislative yeah. record that you yeah. can look at as in terms of vote, in terms of their voting record and their positions. They're not unknown entities. Right. So it's like really foolish to pretend that just because two parties have governed, we can't talk about any of the other parties. That is the dumbest shit the I've ever that heard. They are running to govern yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, and look at them with the same scrutiny. So do we do we shoot ourselves in the foot? when we follow that kind of, well, I think I just answered the question, but... No, no, you absolutely, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, um, what's frustrating to me is it allows the liberals, too, to get away with this idea that they're always running against the conservatives instead of saying that they're also running against the NDP. When you're running for office, you're not just running against the front runner, you're getting, running against all the other parties, and they position themselves as if they only are running against the conservatives. Yeah. So they don't actually address anything in the NDP platform. Yeah. They don't debate on the merits of those issues. And they they say, steal it, though. And they steal it, and they say, the fight <laughs> is here, and we're going to, you know, the good parts will pick up. And But that is their playbook. That's yeah. exactly what they do. It's yeah. exactly what they did the last election. They scare people out of voting for the NDP or the Green or, or whomever by saying, hey, we're, we know how to govern We'll take those issues and we'll make it happen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Trudeau's line now, right? Is uh, is you, you know you you don't need pro progressive opposition parties. You need a progressive government to get those policies. I'm sorry. Forward. On what planet is the Liberal Party a progressive party? Even even the Liberals themselves describe themselves as centrists. Mm -hmm. So they're a big they're a big tent party that used the language of progressive language mm -hmm. because it was a language of convenience at the time. And there are progressives in the big tent liberal party, but that's what it is. It's a big tent party. And, you know, they're trying to wedge in the two party Democratic Republican and, you know, standoff and replicate it here. Um and yes. trying to tell us that there is a place for these yes. in in the you know the big red tent when that you know that's we don't operate in that system and obviously you see the cleavages in the Democratic Party right. there's a yearning there too for for third parties to come up and actually have these debates there's a reason there's factionalism there there's a reason that the Democratic Socialist wing is is the most active pushing the party to you know to progressive place because you know as it there was a voice for that right. and, you know it. There's there's frustrations in that system, but they're trying to take this you know dichotomy and, and overlay it on top of our you our know, parliamentary system, far, yeah. far more robust yeah parliamentary system that yeah. you know has a place for. And you look back, I mean, you know, remember when the block was the official opposite? Like, I mean, we've had all sorts of permutations of 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 you know our parliament in terms of the the way you know the seats have been distributed and power and, and discourse has you know, been able to to work around all sorts of those permutations. It's not just the liberals and the, the conservatives are the only 
places for people to go. And it's doing that has actually hindered, I think the liberals have really underestimated uh, the block, first of all, and yeah. everyone I think underestimated the block coming into this. I election. did too. Um, and underestimated the NDP. And underestimated the Greens. I mean, the Green, like, and it's so, and, it, and even now in New Brunswick, like New Brunswick, Trudeau was in New Brunswick saying, uh, also pinning the strategic vote against the Green Party, which the, the Liberals have actually more often than not found themselves aligned with. Yeah. But even now have to come out against the Green Party because lo and behold, they, the Greens are looking to pick up. Yo, so. they are pressed. Yeah. All these liberal sycophants up here in these Twitter streets, yeah. okay, who want to come in and gaslight people into believing that voting their conscience and their values is an anathema to actually voting, mm -hmm. and, and that we should all be strategic voting, it tells me that they're pressed. Because they're literally bullying people on the internet at this point. And I'm sick of them. And, you know, like, what kills me is that I don't need to be taught, okay, I know what, like, like these motherfuckers, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just like, the idea is that they are definitely targeting, um, either undecided voters, yeah. or, but progressive voters yeah. and, and pitting and pushing this strategic voting nonsense. Mm -hmm. When I really do think <coughs> that the millennial generation, I don't have I don't have data to back it up. So this is just conjecture, okay? I really do think <coughs> that the millennial population is not as party loyal as baby boomers. And I don't even know what Gen X is doing, to be honest. Yeah. I and mean, that previous yeah, generation. Sure. Yeah, I could see that. That, that. that there is a softness to that vote. Mm -hmm. That, and I, I'm, I'm, I want to be encouraged by this. Because what I want is an electorate that understands their collective power. Mm -hmm. And it's not surprising that the two most powerful parties are manipulating us into giving away our collective power. Mm -hmm. This is the only power mm -hmm. we got. Mm -hmm. So for yeah, me... Shear's no worse, too. No, he no, said, he's doing the same thing. that, you know, the liberals and the NDP are going to do X, Y, and Z and, and take away your democratic voice, when in fact, even if you were to win a minority, which you won't, it'll be with, you know, maybe 30, 28% of the popular vote. It's like, what majority... Like that's not a mandate. What mandate to go against yeah. that, right? Yeah. But they, you know, I think both parties do uh, take advantage of our shitty lack of civics, fucking education yeah. in this country, and manipulates yeah. populist sentiments, and it makes it about well, they're taking away your voice because now your vote doesn't matter, and which. You know, who's, I mean, we can get into who's, yeah, is that yeah, yeah. over electoral reform, but just in general, that's not even how it works. So, you know, your vote could matter. You vote and you're voting in your riding. And, you know, exactly. And your vote could, can, you can, you can you apply it any which way. You don't like, you're voting, you could vote for a leader, you could vote for the party, you could vote for your local candidate, whatever you have in mind. No, most people, there's, it's fractured. You know, you look at the, there, they have done polling on this. Some people vote for the leader of the party. Most people vote for the party's platform. But even then, the second is the leader. And some people have, you know, almost just shy of that is people voting for the local candidate and the local candidate's values. Mm -hmm. So it's not, you know, it's probably like 
close to a three-way split with you know maybe the party platform being slightly ahead in the yeah. but like you can't yeah. can't go to every right every voter and say make sure that you vote on this exact basis people have a myriad of reasons right they vote and who they vote for and what they're thinking of when they vote in the parliamentary system. right they're not all thinking how do we make sure that the seat count gets to where it needs to be Right. You know, especially in our, and that's not our responsibility. Where, you know, it's not, not our responsibility not. to garner a seat count for you. Yeah. If you can't do that shit based on your campaigning and your platform, then get the fuck on. The thing is, is that my thing is this. Are we, are we a democracy? Then we need to hold these people to account and we need to hold to account the parties the party system and the party's internal production mm. of these candidates. Sure. Because I've seen, I really don't, I'm not impressed, is all I'm saying. Although, I will There's say some, this. There are some. There are some stellar, candidates. there are some stellar candidates. And there are great people running great local campaigns. Right. However, I will say this. I think the Jagmeet Singh is, I think the liberals under, we all underestimated what a really good campaigner Jagmeet Singh mm-hmm. has become. Mm-hmm. I don't, I think I mean, he's, I didn't, but. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I will say I need to be a good campaigner. I will say I, I My issue is always that people within the party kind of, well, and kind of undercut him. People still do it today. Tom Mulcair being an example. Yeah. Of people kind of undercutting him. The second he was elected, people Tom Mulcair is carry him. on with some petty bullshit. Yeah. And but the fundraising and, and everyone you know blames Jed Meat for the fundraising dip, but that was already happening. It, happened. it must have been. It had happened. It's been had been happening for many years because the NDP had grown very reliant, and part of the reason they did, you know better than most for a little while, at least after 2004, was because they got subsidies, we all, all parties got subsidies for each voter, so when you mm-hmm. vote, some money would go to the party. Well, that's another reason, so not to strategic vote, right? Lost, well, not anymore, because no. the conservatives took that away in 2011. That right, was a, right. a reason why you should vote, if you, you're conscious, you give the money to the party, and at least they have some reserve for what they can do the next round. Mm-hmm. Um, but in any case, the the conservatives pulled that in 2011, which happened, to, you know, like right as the NDP get their surge. So if they'd gotten the money from those votes in the 2011 orange wave, they, they'd have banks. They didn't get it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really hard to kind of manage a national right. party, even as official opposition, when you don't have those resources. Right. They could have done more in fundraising, but that's more care. Yeah. You know? And I, I believe you. Inherited kind of a really shitty, you know, position. The party had three more, you know, whatever you can, there is columns about this, but, yeah. you know, folks were coming for him from the beginning and it was a divisive, you know, divisive leadership race, whatever. It was also generally not a super inspired leadership race either. Fine. But yeah, I mean, I think the liberals really underestimated him. Yeah. Um, which was, which was foolish um i think they underestimated the party in terms of its organizational capacity and i think they overestimated themselves they did overestimate themselves and when they overestimated the power of incumbency i mean you even look at how um you know catherine mckenna and other ministers well let's use catherine mckenna as an example is fighting for her seat in ottawa center so ottawa center was always going to be a hotly contested seat they're acting, you know, folks are kind of shocked that it's such a hot race. When, Why? Know, it was were, always a hot race. you were always going to come back for that. Yeah. You don't unseat yeah. yeah. Paul Dewar and let the fucking, you know, the NDP and Ottawa Center sit back and let you, you know, run another term with Catherine McKenna. It was never going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and obviously, you know, they took, we, the NDP 
one to seat provincially, which is like a huge coup with Joel Hardin. So that was like a huge race unseating another long time, you know, serving uh, cabinet minister in provincial parliament. So, you know, there's always the attorney general, for God's sake. So, you know, McKenna, I think like, and not just McKenna, but I mean, the liberals in general, you see how they are sort they, they seem kind of like late to the party. They do. Now all over town, McKenna's putting up signs that say... Without the liberal branding. Well, they have the liberal logo at the very bottom, but they're not... But but they're they're not... Bright pink and bright purple. Yes. And they say, you know, vote for choice or something like that. They're really ambiguous. Yes. You can't even tell what they're for. Yes. And she has them up, and then there's Emily Tammon for the NDP's face right underneath, because all the signs are clustered in these public spaces. You're like, yeah, like, vote for choice. You can vote for the NDP also if you want to vote for choice and reproductive rights if you want to you know what I mean it's like who do you think you're running against I don't know and like, yes if you're running against the conservatives say vote for choice but you're running in Ottawa Center against another new Democrat and a riding where people understand politics so you don't yeah. need to fucking down, talk down to us and tell us we're splitting the vote because this writing has always been NDP even during the Harper era and before the Harper era this is Ed Broadbent's writing like look the fuck a lot uh, you and know like yeah. you know come with something yeah talk about I, your record I you agree no she can't because and you know what the other thing too is that Ottawa Center is a place where people pay the fuck attention to. And the thing about it is, apparently, she had trouble even picking up volunteers because of this whole pipeline business. Because that pipeline business does not play well at Ottawa Center. She really alienated a lot of the community. She really did. And the thing is, is that, I mean, that to me is something that should have been taken care of in the planning process if Mm -hmm. they were going to do this. You have a communication strategy. What's your strategy? And they bungled it. They bungled a lot of shit. But at the same time, I don't, I don't look at Andrew Shear and say, oh, he could do better. I look at him and think, who the fuck invited this guy? You know what I mean? Like, that's the thing. I feel like we're having, the reason the election is so hotly contested is because we're having a race to the bottom. It's a race, it's a race to the bottom with the two front parties, in which case then people have other options. Yes! Which brings me back to the whole point of strategic voting, which is don't fucking do it. Vote your conscience, vote your, your values, just vote. Vote that way. Because you're, we really are giving up our power and we're being manipulated out of it. The other thing, too, I just want to point this out. Um, on Twitter, when I say this, people are like, I have to vote strategically. The fuck you don't. And then other people are like, well, what if what if voting for your values means voting for Maxine Bernier? Fine! It's an honest vote. I'm not here to tell people what who to vote for. I mean, I'm if just your values saying. are that you're voting for Maxine Bernier, I'd like to know. Uh, you should probably find out about that and have a talk. I, I probably should, but damn well. Those at least people, we're not going to convince those people to vote for Jeremy Exactly. Tomorrow, you know? Exactly. Let them let yeah. them go. But the point is, is that is that, like I said, I'm not here to police people's votes. I just want, I just hope that people vote honestly. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm asking mm-hmm. for, okay? So then, if people do that, let's see where where the political map of this country looks like, what it looks like. Yeah. Anyway, that's my piece on strategic voting. Um, uh, so, what's the one, so, first of all, <laughs> where are the women? <laughs> There has been no talk, like very little talk about women, yeah. about gender-based violence. Missing and murdered indigenous <laughs> women, even though we were talking about so-called 
indigenous issues, I'm using air quotes, uh, didn't even come up, even mm-hmm. though we had the report, um, the Missing Murdered Indigenous Women and Girls report come out this year. Um, that's been absent. Uh, we have been used as political fodder for the abortion issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that became really convenient for the liberals to, you know, tr- Trudeau at the very last, you know, when there was a closure in, in New Brunswick of an, of an abortion clinic. It's the last closure ago. in New... It's the last abortion clinic in New Brunswick. Yeah. yeah. And obviously there's, a, there's at least still no abortion clinic in PI. There's very few in the Atlantic region in general. There's very few in rural Canada in general. Like abortion access is is a matter of fact like a huge issue in this country that people don't talk about because mm-hmm. you know if you're in an area where there is a concentrated population an urban center you have some options but you go beyond that and it those, You've got those nothing. options really start to dwindle you think about the north and that becomes even more challenging um and so you know trudeau went out to um i believe he did go to new brunswick and talk about the, the closure and said something to the effect of you know if you vote for me there won't be you know we'll, we'll stop the, the closure mm. we'll make sure you know i'll sit down with this it's a private club you know and we'll make sure that it doesn't close mm. and it's like well we're, we're, we're like where were you? You could have, yeah. one, not only, like, could you have done something to ensure access to reproductive health um, and abortion clinics and those types of things through a national program over the last few years to, you know, incentivize, send money to the provinces, create this spaces, whatever, right? Didn't they renew the Canada Health Transfer or whatever with the provinces yeah. during this time, yeah. during the last four years? Where the fuck was that? Yeah, they could have... They, they could have done part, it. They, they, they that could have been, been part, part of that it. Agreement. Yeah. So they didn't do it. Really convenient now that you get to say, well, you know, if you vote for me, then we'll do this. Well, great. Cool. Thanks. Like, I really feel... This is the guy... the feminist spirit of you... Holding that over our heads. This is the guy who's like, who's like, okay, if you take me back, I'll reinstate the credit cards. I feel like that's what it is. Like this guy is now making all these promises. And honestly, I'm surprised we haven't had more conversations about what have you been doing the last four years then. Mm -hmm. The, The other thing I also want to touch on is you don't have to outlaw abortion to, to render it. Um, inaccessible or ineffective. Sure. Yeah, you don't have to have it on the books. You can actually do it through funding mechanisms, uh, bylaw mechanisms, as they're doing in the states. Mm-hmm. You don't have to. You don't have. To, what I'm trying to say is, the the way the liberals are are displaying sheer is one way, but they've done nothing to actually be more accessible or have more accessible... Totally. I mean, I believe them when they say that they are generally a pro-choice party, but I honestly want them to be, like, a pro-abortion party. And, like, just make spaces happen. Like, make shit happen. I think we're at a point now, too, where being anti-racist or being... Uh, progressive or being for women's rights is not a given. Mm-hmm. I think it has to be proved at this point. I just think it's really ironic too, though, that they spent so much time in terms of political 
um, maneuvering, pointing out that Cheer wouldn't uh, commit to what his own position is on abortion. Right. And what his position is with in terms of LGBTQ plus rights. Right. Which, like, totally true. And I, I yeah. think you should absolutely grill him on that. Of course. And he, he's more or less said he wouldn't whip a vote or constrain his own, me- me- you know, members of parliament from, from bringing these issues through private members' bills. So... It is, even though he might not introduce a government bill, there is a chance that some, you know, that the Conservatives would bring about something. Um, You know, and they did that during the Harper era. During the Harper era, Harper said, I'm not reopening these debates, but that didn't stop, you know, a number of back backbenchers and not so backbenchers from bringing private in members all bills? sorts of private members' bills mm-hmm. on those issues. Um, mm-hmm. You know, including yeah, even scrapping the long gun registry with yeah. a private member. Like all of these things came yeah. from unexpected um, sources, and then the party, you know, kind of winked to them and didn't, but allowed it to happen. And, and you know, we've seen the effect of that. So it's important to grill sheer on that, but I think it's re- it's 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 ironic because all the liberals have for them is not a record so much as what they say their position is. Mm-hmm. But they governed for four years, so not only should you say I'm a feminist, I'm pro-choice, but what is your record on these? Issues? But he's not pro-choice. Trudeau? Mm-hmm. Like, personally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, Trudeau, rec- was it recently he admitted this? Because I swear I heard this. He's like, admitted it in the past. Yeah, he's admit. okay, so. That he's deeply Catholic. Yes, and that he, he personally struggled with abortion, and he's, he doesn't believe in it personally, basically. But, <laughs> and I, I don't know what, where to go after that. Because I don't know, like, I literally don't know where to go after that. Yeah, well, I mean, I, 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 so more recent, like, I guess the more the recent statement is just from a week ago. Okay. He clarified, because he had said that in the past. Okay. Um, and he had said that um, in 2011, so it's not even that long ago. Uh, but he's saying, you know, he's fully pro-choice, and he says, I, can no, I no longer feel that I can or need to say that I'm against abortion. That's not for me as a man to say. So, okay, whatever. I guess that's sort of his view. I don't it's still, get It's still weird. It's I still don't get weird. that. I, like, also, yeah, no one's going to ask you if you're going to have a fucking abortion. But are you pro Like, I feel like that's like one... Shouldn't we fucking know? If, you like, should also know. I'm if it sorry. Is, if it is the other way, then like, just say it. I'm sorry, but do we know who the fuck this guy is? Because well, who the, this guy is was yeah. promoting himself as in 2015. Listen, we got played, okay? The Liberal Party up and played us with this motherfucker, yeah. okay? And this is my problem, is that nobody, because he's now Canada's golden boy, he's beyond reproach. Now, if you even question him or, or, or question his motives, all of a sudden, it's like, how dare you? And this is my thing. Who is this guy? Mm-hmm. He's he's a blackface uh, promoter. Yeah, I said it. Don't at me because this guy doesn't even know how many times he did blackface. This guy has not allocated in any sense of the word any of these issues that that he's been running on. Mm-hmm. He has not. And to be honest, the Canadian media has not been questioning him about it. No, and uh, so, you know, he, as we talked about, he wasn't vetted when he ran. He wasn't, he wasn't vetted. vetted when he became leader. He just, we don't know who he, was, he is. He's given a pass at every turn of his fucking life. Which know, is, has the yeah. privilege get. And 
you know, and I think now we're, we're bearing the cost of that because we're learning more and more about who he actually is. And, and the thing to me about Justin Trudeau is just how he carried himself this election and how he speaks. I know it, to me, it sounds, it seems like, and this is sort of the point I was trying to make at the very top to say, like, we, this isn't 2015 anymore. We're living in, an, in a far more cynical age, but he's even more cynical. Yeah. The last time he was really passing off this act of yeah. hope and, and, you know, a levity. And he had these beautiful rallies and it was all it really like, I mean, the sunny ways bullshit. But like, really, he was exuding that. You could feel it. Yeah, but because he, spoke, he was chatteling Obama. Sure. But, you, but like, it, it was like, yeah. it was coming through. Yes, yes, yes. Now when he talks, it's like you ask him a question and he can't be bothered to answer it. He's brash. He's... He's abrupt. He's cold. He's very calculating. Like his whole demeanor is very much like, "Why are you challenging me? Why are you challenging my privilege?" I, you know, it's like he he seems bothered that he has to do any of this, and that's with the media and in the debates and in his apology pressers. I I, I get the sense that the rallies he's probably a bit more, you know, magnetic and magnanimous. I don't know because it. I, I would have to assume he is because people are showing up to these rallies. He probably puts on a different face when he's among the liberal-only crowd. But when you see him talking to answering these questions from the press and you see him, like, you know, when he had to answer the questions about the black it just, there's, like, he, yeah, he seems bothered. And the Hassan Minaj interview, even. Yes. He was so confrontational. Yes. He was very, de- not confrontational, he was very defensive. Yes. And I'm just like, I think we've we found where it hurts. He has no, so sense, no sense of humor about himself. Well, and he's on a fucking comedy show. Well, because the show hadn't didn't cater to him. Yeah. That's the whole point. This prime minister has the whole country catering to him, coming up with excuses for wrongdoing, coming up with excuses for why he's fallen short, yeah. coming up with excuses for why he isn't what he purported to be. He lied to us. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. In a different and they're both liars. Mm-hmm. Him and Sheer. Okay? okay? They just lied differently. Sure. That's it. Oh yeah. The she, conservative she, she, and liberal party. He's such a bold faced liar. He's oh my god. What? Literally making shit up, pulling numbers out of the sky. The NDP and the liberals are running and they're going on raising G, uh, GST. Nope, or HST. Nope, not even in either party platform. Nope. Nobody, like nobody. The and then Andrew Shear. The two of them will cause a forty billion dollar deficit. How'd you get that? He apparently it, the only way journalists really, the only way he could have, he says this in a press conference, says it's going to be this, and he like fixes a number. And it's like the only way you can come up with this number if you take the spending totals of each of the platform and add them together, even though obviously there are duplications and redundant. But like just like wild, wild allegations that that Shear's making. They're both liars. But you'll notice the theme that that the conservative the conservatives and the NDP both took vis-a-vis the liberals was to say we don't know which which so you know Shear said the same thing. We don't know which Trudeau we're getting or something yeah. like that. Effect. And then, of course, the NDP also had the same thing. You know, one day he's at talking, you know, at a fundraiser, and then and then he says to the actor, you know, like all of these, so we don't know which which Trudeau we're getting. And like, there's a reason both parties picked up off picked up on that because that shit. 
There's a there's a more than a nugget of truth there. Oh yeah. But it's like very telling. We got played. And we allowed ourselves to get played. And it's fine. Like, I get it. I voted for him, too, last time. I'm not going to... I'm not going to thing anybody for anybody's... I get it. Mm -hmm. I get where the country was, what the country wanted. And we wanted to believe. We wanted that. I get it. It's okay. But really, right now, after all we've seen from both of these motherfuckers, I just... And I'm not even going to shit all over Elizabeth May like I kind of do online because <laughs> I feel like I, I've said what I have to say about the Green Party. I get it. But I'm glad that they're there. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the point. I'm glad that they're there pushing oh, what they're totally. pushing. Imagine what the debate would have debates would have been like if it was just Trudeau and Sheer going at it. Oh, my God. The no. only substance was coming from, I mean, May for starters. Yeah. Really, at least put the issue against yeah. policy issues understood. Yeah, the the block is doing a great job. You know, Blanchard does a great job of of doing what he needs to do. Yeah, you might not like what he's saying. You might not like that it monopolizes <laughs> the debates. It doesn't he matter. So much time he on came in. Issues, yeah, he knows what he's doing. He's getting shit done for like exactly. And like, respect. They're gonna, they're gonna turn out. For yeah, him. yeah. And, respect. You know, respect. Like I respect that shit. Yeah, and so. I think that I I just think we're fucked. Yeah. I just think whichever way this goes, we're fucked. And part of it is we fucked ourselves, sure, but most of it is we were manipulated into fucking ourselves. Well, not that word. I think there's going to be a very strong likelihood, obviously, of the liberals winning. I don't think there's really a shot of the conservatives winning. No, I don't think so you either. Know, people can kind of rest easy. This is going to be really embarrassing if. The day after the well, show. whatever. I don't give a shit. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I'm no. with you on this. I'm with you on this prediction. A stronger liberal minority than people think. They yeah. might even eke out past the majority. Probably not, but maybe just under. But it's it, they're going to have a stronger showing than people think. I agree with but, you. But you know, I would love to see a minority government with the NDP holding the balance because I think it's first of all, it's just considering the how flawed and how little weight our popular vote gets us, or just you know. Uh, and, and also the fact that our ridings are wildly inaccurate. Well, the, the distribution is just so skewed. Mm-hmm. You know, three ridings in PEI mm-hmm. for you know a popu- like a pop you know populations that you know would take. Anyway, if you, <laughs> I like can't even <laughs> try to. I want to do the numbers, but it's not going to like read right. But anyway, the point is. Look it up. The electoral map is really skewed. Rural, there's a huge rural disparity. of So rural votes get far more far more heavily weighted in yeah. terms of how ridings are allocated. Yeah. And urban votes, even though everyone says this election is going to be decided on Ontario, our popular, or sorry, our population to vote to riding ratio is totally skewed against us in Ontario and in urban areas. So and in other words, what you're saying is so Ontario is underrepresented. Ontario, Quebec, like, I mean, Quebec, even though we say Quebec has a lot of influence, you know, areas like Montreal that are more popular, who have denser population, have too few ridings for right. the number of people who live there. Right. But that's even more true in, in, in Toronto. And, I see. Um, so what, in other words, what you're saying is that in the riding in the riding analysis, I guess you could say, yeah. is that rural rural areas are overrepresented vis-a-vis the population that they represent, mm-hmm. whereas urban areas are underrepresented because of 
the density of the population yeah, exactly. and so on and so yeah. forth. Yeah, okay. So how they draw the writing right. is kind of messed up. Right. So I mean, you, like, it's like, when you talk about our democracy as like broken, it's not just the proportional representation question, like proportional or, or um, electoral reform in terms of the makeup of parliament and, and where the seats come from, but it's even the, and how we vote, it's how the writings themselves are yeah. distributed. Like there are layers to how yes. little our vote um, Which is why you can't related. effectively strategically vote. No, it's all right. Like we're all this, the system is so skewed, right? Due yeah. To varying interests and historical compromises and whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, you know, there's a lot of work that needs to happen there. But all, it's all of which is to say, um, you know, there's yeah, there's a lot of these these structural issues that at some point will need to be addressed. But there's nothing to me considering all of that. Uh, having a- governments that are absolute majorities um, is is kind of, frankly quite dangerous. Mm-hmm. And as we said, you know, even if you have a majority, it's not really quite the mandate that you think it is. If you're winning by such a small percentage of the popular vote, right. X number of people are ali- too alienated or disenfranchised to turn up to vote. In the tur- you know, the turnout was very high in 2015. I don't right. think it'll be high this nope. year. Um, you know, that, that, that's very telling when you have 30, 40% of people, sometimes as much as 50% of the population not voting, that should give us all pause for concern. So why give absolute power to, you know, to, to the liberal party when we can have a or system the conservative. or the conservative party, mm-hmm. or we can have a system where there are more checks and balances where, you know, folks who, you know, did vote for some of the other parties can come in and, and have a greater influence, not just in terms of, how bills are passed and, and what the legislative agenda is, but even presence on different committees, presence, um, you know, I mean, why would, I mean, to me, I would love to see, um, you know, cabinet even being opened up to people who aren't just liberals. Right. And, and it, like, you can think of the other types of ways that either coalition governments or other forms of comp- like relationships in parliament can kind of manifest themselves to be more representative. Um, but, you know. So all this to say... Uh, when you go vote today, vote your values. That's all I ask. Please just give an honest vote. All right. Next up, rant and receipt. Now we're back with rant and receipts. And because we're at the end of an election, we've decided that this rant is going to be election related and there's only going to be one of them. So we're switching it up a little bit for you. Uh, But basically, (laughs) Obama's fucking endorsement. That is the motherfucking wreck. Because I can't. I really can't right now. I'm angry. And so here's my problem. Um, Let me just give you the background and then I'll tell you the problem. Last week in the waning days of the 43rd Canadian federal election, former U.S. President Barack Obama tweeted an endorsement for liberal leader Justin Trudeau. Quote, I was proud to work with Justin Trudeau as president. He's a hardworking, effective leader who takes on big big issues like climate change. The world needs his progressive leadership now, and I hope our neighbors to the north support him for another term, end quote. And everyone has thoughts. Former federal conservative cabinet minister Peter McKay said that the endorsement was inappropriate and said that he was has always been against foreign interference in elections. While American, I mean, (laughs) 
conservative leader, Andrew Scheer, said he wasn't interested in what foreign leaders had to say, forgetting that he himself is part foreigner, apparently. But should we be surprised by this? While unorthodox, this is not wrong for him to do. And the two are allegedly friends. <laughs> Obama was, and is, a very popular Democratic leader, and at a time where nationalism and white supremacy are on the rise, it makes sense that he feels the need to offer his support for those who share similar values. He's also endorsed Angela Merkel and Emmanuel Macron, and given the state of those two's presidencies, or I, I would say that that was almost a poison pill. Hmm. Well, I mean, I think that he has more... I, I mean, anyway, yeah. I do put all of those folks in the same kind of box. Yes. They're, like, very... Um, I, I get what he's doing. Institution-oriented, centrist, left-of-center progressives who have a certain view of what the world order should be. Um, you know, it's liberalism, globalism kind of principles. They're very idealistic. They, you know, like, I, like they're definitely... all. When you think of Merkel, Macron, and oh yeah, for sure, Barack and and uh, Trudeau, they're definitely all cut from the very similar cloth. Centrist cloth, yeah. Um, you know, it's it's just funny to me, and I and I get and I get it to be uh, the other dynamic that you know there are friendships that form when you have spent time working with folks. Um, you know, not that uh, the Obama Trudeau overlap was was that long. I'm sure Obama had to endure a lot more of, uh, I mean, he did have to endure a lot more with Stephen Harper, so maybe yeah. it's informed a little bit by that. Resentment. Maybe it's a bit uh, of shade. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, to me, it's just striking that anyone would want to get involved in an election when they're not even sure what all the offerings and all the issues are. Like, yeah. I can't imagine that, that Barack Obama is following the Canadian election any more closely than to know that the liberals are seeking a re-election. Mm. You know, and I mean, I imagine he must have heard about the blackface incident. And I'd love to hear how he reckons, how he squares that. Um, but to, to jump in and just offer this endorsement, I mean, it, it'll, it'll matter to some people. It'll embolden some liberals. It'll reaffirm folks who probably are already aligned that way. But I think for a lot of, a lot of other people, you know, it kind of comes out in the wash. I mean, I, I would... The only endorsement I care about is Rihanna's, so... And I know how that's going. So. Well, I... Well, <laughs> I was... Listen, I was... As an aside, her in her Vogue interview, when she's like... She basically was just like, I'm not a sellout. <laughs> I would have asked about the NFL. It was just like, so ouch! That's why there's no Rihanna slander allowed. Okay. Um, so... I have a myriad of thoughts. So let me start out with the um, the ones I'm less emotional about. I do understand what he's doing. I understand that he's trying to give credence or trying to give support for what he sees. It may be um, a world order that's just being destroyed. Mm -hmm. I get it. Mm -hmm. My problem is that... There's a reason it's being destroyed. And some of it has to do with the will of the people. Mm -hmm. And so if you are going to insert yourself in such a fundamental process of democracy, I think that A, you should have done your fucking homework. Mm -hmm. B, how are you going to support a guy who just got caught in blackface 
I feel like he just in one tweet undermined all of the black activism mm-hmm. that is being mm-hmm. done worldwide. And it's not and it is worldwide. And particularly also in Canada though. Particularly in Canada, yes. But given that this is an international yeah. story yeah. and that Barack Obama is also an international figure, mm-hmm. right? He will never be domestic again. No. He will never belong to a country again. The other thing, too, is that I also realize that he's probably shoring up and priming up his his future Netflix audience. Because <laughs> let's not forget that Barack Obama is now a media mogul. He is not, he is no longer the ex-president. He's all about media. Yeah. And so the people who are going to tune into Netflix to watch them, yours truly is not one of them anymore, mm-hmm. uh, would be people who would vote for Trudeau. Mm-hmm. It's not, to be honest, it's kind of clever on that level. Yeah, I mean. On that level only, by yeah, the way. Yeah. I'm taking that in its in a vacuum, mm-hmm. but I know things don't happen in a vacuum. But it is the undermining of black activism in Canada that really, really got under my craw. And to, for the first black president to support a Canadian, uh, a foreign president mm-hmm. who has been caught on more than one occasion, yeah. at least three occasions in blackface, is, um, is a perversion of identity, mm-hmm. race, politics, and privilege that I don't support. Yeah, but I mean, I think it's important to remember too that, like Barack Obama, um, you know, a lot, a lot of people think about Barack and they think about two thousand and eight Barack Obama. Mm-hmm. Not unlike twenty fifteen Trudeau. Fair came in aspirational, hope some you know gr- grassroots people were really coming together. But then, what did he do with that? And a lot of his messaging as president was very much um, to appease a lot of people. You know, there was that, I don't know if you remember, that Harvard law professor, Harvard professor yeah. who was racially profiled yeah. about the police. And uh, so, isn't that Henry Louis Gates? I can't remember. I think uh, he, he hosts the um, Ancestral DNA show on PBS now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and so then Obama, you know, invites the racist officer to the White House. Oh yeah, like his his actions on rate on rate issues of racism, while president, took on the kind of make white people feel comfortable. Yes, and plays it played into um, this idea that if you talk things through, things will get better. He wasn't as transformational a leader in terms of his policies as we would have hoped. Mm-hmm. And you look at, you know, then, you know, the again, as, you know, it depends who you ask, right? But for a lot of activists who are in the peace movement, Obama stands for, you know, heightened drone warfare and the, you know, murder of many civilians in the Middle East. Um, you know, he failed and to the de- Guantanamo. And, he and failed, the deportation like, policies the deportation, that Trump yeah. has used yeah. and amplified. Yeah. Um, yeah, the detention I, centers, yeah, you know, yeah. Guantanamo during his time. Yeah. So, you know, it depends what lens you bring to it. And I think what, 
the true Trudeau seeking that endorsement, and you know he was asked, "Did you ask Obama for that?" And he would refuse to answer, meaning he definitely did ask for it. And it would, like, of, of course, course he, he asked for it. Funny that we even have to ask, but like, yes, you probably assumed he asked for and got this endorsement. But like, Sherry got on that phone to David Axelrod, probably. Yeah, like, seriously. Like, but there, you know, there there's a relationship between the yes. Democratic Party and the Liberal yes. Party, and so there's that, and they they tapped into that, and he can't. But to me, it just shows, um, you know, that there is still a little bit of naivete about what they think people care about and why and what they care about. And right. I think they, to some extent, some people they'll never get on side. Yeah. The anti-racism activists, the liberals have probably lost them for some time, right? Like black activist circles, I think they're like, we're done with that. We're not going to get those people, you know. The, you know, hardcore green activists will never come around because of the pipeline. Like they get that. Probably, and now it's more about consolidating all the other soft middle folks and trying to get them on board. But it's still, to me, it's still like very naive to think that they're going to get this through endorsements. I have a problem with black people lately, and um, I'm, you know, I, I'm like, how am I going to say this? And then I'm like, oh, I'm just going to say it. So, um, in my opinion, black people in Canada have become very malleable in terms of the manipulation by the Liberal Party and parties in general. I really think that we accept too much the crumbs from the table. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what the Liberal Party has given us. Mm -hmm. And people still talk about this anti-racism strategy as though it's just black people. And they're like, oh, they gave $45 million for an anti-racism strategy. And then I asked them if it was new money, and they can't answer. Yeah. And new money matters. Because that's where <coughs> you really commit. Reallocated money is bullshit. And so... You know, and then he gave, I think it was $25 million or something like that to um, anti-black racism strategy or something like that, or the anti-blackness of it all. And I just want to tell black people who may be listening, that money ain't shit. Mm. $25 million over five years ain't shit, okay? It's changing the couch. Annual spending is like 200 and almost $300 billion. You think $25 million is something? That's nothing. Mm -hmm. Over five years... That's nothing. They gave us crumbs, and now we're expected to ride or die for them, even though they donned blackface. And this uh, idea of selling your soul down the river for a couple of broken pieces of china and a couple of crumbs off Mass's table is not what I'm here for. So if you think that I am going to sit back and just be like, and you're going to bombard me with the if of the Obamas, if Obama says it's okay, it's okay. And this is what pisses me off about the whole Obama thing is the fact that not only has he undermined black activism, he's mm -hmm. undermined black people. Mm -hmm. in Canada. Whereas now you have white people coming in and saying, well, Obama said it was okay. Uh, so to, you know, he supported Trudeau yeah. and blackface, which means blackface is okay, which, which means that's going to be what I'm going to be for Halloween. I mean, this is how it works out is my point. It's not just about the blackface. It's the fact yeah, yeah, yeah. that you have somebody who is the head of every economic, social, political institution mm -hmm. in this country that dawned that really engaged in a racist act more than once has not really has not told us the truth about it mm -hmm. by the way and we're just supposed to move on get the fuck out of here i'm not here for it and you know what don't at me on this one either don't tweet me on this one unless you're tweeting support because i 
um, if this is a hill to die on. Mm-hmm. And if Barack Obama wants to sell us all down the river like like a tap dancing Negro, that's his business. I ain't doing it. And I'm not supporting people who do either. So Barack and Michelle Obama and the rest of their clan there will get no more of my money. Mm-hmm. Well, you know who else uh, endorsed Trudeau? Ryan Reynolds. Uh, who? Yeah. Okay. Who uh, also had a plantation wedding. So... He can think oh, about what those two he might can fuck the fuck off, okay? A lot in common between those two. Okay, I'm just like it's this. Well, my black friend told me I could say the n word, so now I'm gonna say it. Mm-hmm. That's what it turned. That's basically what it boils down to. I mean, I think, and I'm going be, to, to police fair, you with it. To be fair, I think the framing for the liberals is that there's been some forgiveness, and uh, it was a long time ago. He understands that it was wrong, and they've moved on, and there's been forgiveness. Whether or not Barack's act of endorsing Justin is a signal of some sort of forgiveness or whatever, he doesn't vote for me. He's he a fucking American. And then on top of that, you have now protesters. I don't know if anyone else picked up on this awesome uh, nugget from fucking TMZ, by the way. TMZ reported this, that there were kids, young people, at a a Trudeau rally in Orilla, Ontario. Orilla. In blackface. With signs. I say E this. You didn't see this? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That one. Okay, yes, yes, yes. There's so many blackface. They're in blackface. I can't put them together. protest Trudeau. And they're like white kids who who probably are conservative. They're conservative. Who are using it as an opportunity to say they're protesting Trudeau by wearing blackface. On what fucking planet? But whatever. Okay? like That's that's, happening a lot lately. That's the kind of shenanigans that we're seeing. Yeah, yeah. That is, that's exactly the problem. And put Obama and now Martin Luther King III in the mix, and I'm just like, what? Second of all, I would like, I would like everybody to ponder this. Do we honestly think that Obama and MLK III would have endorsed a white man donning blackface in America? Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that's a really good point. It would never have flown. It would never have flown. So why is what's not good enough for them there good enough for us here? Yeah. Do you honestly think that that would have happened? Mm Mm-hmm. What about, isn't there some Virginia Democrat that was donning blackface? Yeah. Where was that endorsement? Yeah. Get the fuck out of here. I'm so angry at this. I'm so glad I got this out of my job. It's pretty, it's pretty real. And, you know, I'm going to say what my dad said recently. He said to me, Erica, sometimes, sometimes when you're seeking a seat at the table, you don't realize you're on the menu. Oh, shit. Bam. Yeah. And we were on the menu this election because I also want to point out that women, indigenous people, LGBTQ, Q2 plus people, trans people, black people, uh, other people of color have been used as political fodder, as currency in this election, yet our views, our values, what we need to see in our communities Mm -hmm. don't end up on their platforms. Mm -hmm. And that's when you know you're being used. Uh, All of these marginalized groups have been used as political football to score points between the liberals and the conservatives Mm -hmm. and a bit of the greens too. Mm -hmm. And it's this, it's the way we're being used. It's like everybody's in blackface. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Everybody is somehow 
using us, mocking us or deriding us, especially immigrants and and Muslims and everybody has been used in this election to score points. Yeah. It's like we are the piece of meat that's being thrown over the fence for the barbecue. You know what I mean? And I that's what bothers me at the end of the day. Even though this this election was a lot about race, mm-hmm. it really did expose a the ignorance and the stupidity of the Canadian public. Mm-hmm. B how you know, and this is to black people, how we perpetuate our own powerlessness mm-hmm. and also how we are consistently being used by political parties. Mm-hmm. So I just think that we we in these groups need to take pause and really think about how what power looks like, what we want to see and how we're going to move the agenda. Yeah, and I think this election, it's it's that race reluctantly was the issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and then became the issue of convenience in terms of mudslinging. Which right. Which is never really substantively the ad issue. Um, except for Bill 21, which then similarly became used as a talking point. Right. Um, a way to assess um, a certain threshold of how much pe- a person was willing to tolerate, a party was willing to tolerate. Mm-hmm. Um, it, to varying degrees and with, you know, different words used, most of the federal parties but for the bloc are against Bill 21 in some fashion. But, you know, as much as people went in on Jagmeet Singh, and I, I have an issue with him as well in terms of what he said about Bill 21, that they're not going to get involved in a, in a court challenge. I don't think a court challenge is the end-all, be-all, because I, I'm... Well, I just that think that was a, a you, silly question. It's a silly question. The constitutional merit of that legislation is very strong uh, because of the notwithstanding yes. clause. It's probably going to be found to be okay. Okay, can I just... So I don't really know what people were asking Jagmeet to do, but, you know, there are interesting proposals on what you could do. So in the what federal governments could use to do to exert its power would be to withhold things from Quebec with the threat of, you know, you know, under yeah. the into influence, I shouldn't yes. say to threat, but to influence them to change right. the legislation or to, you know, whatever, to, to, to have some form of negotiation with them. It's not going to come through the courts the way that this the way the legislation is written. I hear it's going to, and even if it does come through the courts, you're going to have a huge upheaval in Quebec around that level of interference, and they're going to draft another bill to work around. And it, and the and the court's not going to quash all of it. They're going to say this is how it needs to be, right. re, you know, read down or whatever. Even if it gets there, but the notwithstanding clause makes it practically untouchable. The cases that are out there, honestly, if you read them, do enormous amounts of mental gymnastics to even try to get it to being a constitutional issue. And the constitutional issue isn't a charter issue. It's an issue of division of power that, ah. that, that folks are arguing. And even that is very tenuous. It's- so it's a division of power strong. in terms of federalism, in terms of yeah, in terms of the other kind, saying that they they can't uh, interfere. So it specifically goes after certain parts of the bill um, and says uh, that they undermine democracy and that that's a federal. Attack. I can't even I honestly, yeah, that's I fine. can't even make heads or tails of what's being argued. I don't hate it. I think you have to try something. We're going to try to keep the fight alive. You know, I like I'm in my own professional life thinking of ways of how are we going to challenge this legislation. But it's not a slam dunk. Yes, it's not charter compliant if you look at section 15. But in section like in section, you know, the, the like you look at freedom of, of expression and you look at freedom of religion. Like, yeah, there are huge issues there. Mm-hmm. Even, you know, fine. 
but the notwithstanding clause is sort is the end all be all essentially mm-hmm. like it means not no one can touch it and you have a five year I think review period and that's about it so I don't really know what people are asking the leaders to do but I you know the reality is none of them want to go up against Quebec in this election where everyone stands to lose I think Jagmeet Singh should have said something to the effect of look we're going to lose our seats in Quebec I think only Ruth Ellen Brasso is the only one really fighting for her seat at this point fine and then just go in hard on bill 21 and say like we're going to work with the we're going to try to negotiate something with the provinces to like or we're going or else we're going to withhold x y and z and just really go at them but yeah i mean it's hard to do that yeah and no I, one's asking trudeau to do that no one's asking sheer to do that but the thing is is that is that what i didn't like is that you know then all of a sudden i you know what you know what got up in my craw at that debate mm-hmm. the the last english debate where andrew Shear truly lost quebec um it's the it's when fucking justin trudeau stood up there berating jagmeet singh on this bill 21 issue and all i could think of is mother motherfucker you were in blackface yeah so you know it's like he i don't think that Singh should let these motherfuckers take this issue and make it into some like weaponized. Oh, it. totally. But totally. I also am like... Especially since campaigning for him is in on this issue is is mired with all sorts of other... Exactly. This uh, is his issue. I just think, you know, unfairly sure. Okay? Yeah. But, but I would like him to own it more. That's my thing. Yeah, um, I think they should all own it. Yeah, I think so too. But what is so dangerous with Bill 21 is the mechanism used to ensure it stands. The notwithstanding clause that, who? oh, where did that come from? Well, I don't think we can blame that all on him. But, you know, there's a lot of... No, I was going to blame more Carolyn Mulroney, but hey. But... Uh, On on opening up the... Yeah. I mean... Yes, and but it's there, and it's a it's a compromise, and it was the only way to get people to sign on. Not all people. Yeah. No, no, no. I got it. The charter. Fine. Yeah. This is this is the the constitutional reality we're in. Um, but what I'm frankly, saying is that know, the tactics of one yeah. spills over yeah. into the tactics of others. That's what I'm saying. Well, yeah, but Quebec invented using the notwithstanding clause. Fair. So, you know. They were gonna, they were gonna go there regardless sooner or later. But, but uh, yeah, I don't think the conservatives have a moral high ground. No, they don't. That's what I'm saying, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that, that also came from strategic voting, by the way. Yeah. This whole Doug Ford government, and we want to do this again. Okay. Um, Well, hey, look, the weekend polls are showing that there is a very good chance of a liberal majority now. So maybe the fear mongering got to people, which is frankly more of a reason why you should just vote your contract. Yeah, they're going to be fine. Yeah, they're going to fucking be fine. They're always going to be fine. They're the incumbents. And the way the writings shake out was always going to be generally towards their favor. I'm not throwing a pity party for the fucking liberals. I will never wow. throw a pity party for the yeah. fucking liberals. Anyway. I think, I mean, I don't know. It's been such a weird election. <sighs> just like reading about Pamela Anderson endorsing the Green Party. You know, it's just like a lot of weird people. Like, there is like a lot of randomness like, going on. Yeah. You're right. Like Drake, At least Drake's producer. You know, I mean, although that rally that Jadmi Singh had with like folks from OVO and like shit, that seemed kind of hype. 
Um, Yo, can we so talk? Wait, wait. Let's let's, let's talk a little. Wagon. We're gonna talk a little bit about Jagmeet Singh on TikTok. Oh yeah, let's talk about that. Okay, because he has been tearing up TikTok in a way that TikTok should be torn up. Like, yeah, he just seems really to take to that medium, yeah, or that platform. And um, I find it interesting, and I not I don't think that we've talked about this enough. Um, the media surrounding, I don't think that major parties still know how to use social media for campaigning. Yeah. Um, they really just, they take basically a couple of graphics and post it. And I'm just like, no, that's not it. Mm-hmm. And Jagmeet Singh seems to have been killing it on social media lately, as I hoped he would have. And, and he... And he was really strong on social too during the leadership, and yes. always kind of has yes. been. And I think it's that he does come at it very honestly. Yeah, I mean, look, the thing, the thing, the gossip about Jagmeet is like he, go, you know, he's he's in that scenester whatever scene in Toronto, and like he's you know those types of social connections and whatever else. You know, he's a bit of a bro, whatever, all these things that people say about him, which are all, like, frankly fucking true. He's a bro. Um, he's <laughs> totally, like, one of those those people. But at the same time, I think that's what made his connectedness to, like, the culture of, like, young, like, young culture and, like, also just, like, music culture, like, the hip-hop scene in Toronto, like, shit like that that he's, like, actually, like, not just, like, an outsider to, like, he's tapped into. But it's also... It makes, it, it makes him able to actually, ha- like, seem genuine. And it's also, too, because it also comes at a time when Toronto has pretty much cemented itself as a player in that scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, through Drake, mostly. Yeah. Um, I will never knock Drake for that. I will always give him his bona fides for that. Uh, through the Raptors, because I just I just find the when you talk about the culture, which is really Toronto culture, when you talk about the culture, I just find the contrast between um, Trudeau and like Masai Ujiri, mm-hmm. and then there's Jagmeet Singh, who personifies more of the downstream part of that of that whole cultural enterprise of mm-hmm. which the Raptors is what. So you have like Trudeau in management. Right, 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 right. And yeah, 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 and yeah. sing with the people yeah, sort yeah, of yeah. thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. I just find that I, I find that exactly exactly what the Liberal Party is. The Liberal Party is more Maasai Ujiri than mm-hmm. it is like a Lowry or somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You true. know what I mean? Now that's yeah. one person's endorsement I would actually love to hear about. But that's <laughs> yeah, I have questions. <laughs> I like, I've I've heard <laughs> I've heard about him and that he's very um what's the word I'm looking for centrist. <laughs> oh no, that makes me sad. Yeah, because he seems so cool. Yeah, I was like the only person to get this team together. Yeah. Well. Um, no, I mean, yeah, the the whole endorsement thing is is definitely like so excessive this election. I don't know how much it'll matter at all. Um, I think it matters more if you're using it to get at particular voters. Yeah. So obviously that sort of sings thing with young voters, mm-hmm. and that works. And the TikTok thing is is definitely part of that. So if you if you haven't seen uh, the TikTok whatever videos i don't even know what tiktok is um just somewhere so it i used know to what be, it is i know what it is but it used to be <laughs> musically and i remember yeah, musically yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. i just haven't signed up to tiktok because yeah. china and you know data and spying and shit whatever that's that's more my thing but 
But I'm sure I will. But, but if you haven't seen them, you should because they're kind of funny. They're they're floating all over the internet. Um, you don't have to yeah, sign you don't up don't for TikTok. Far, but, yeah. but you know, it, it does give you that sense of um, like it, if anyone else had done it, you would really feel like your dad trying to like yeah act like he's cool. But it really doesn't come off no. as dad jokes. Um, no, no. So it works in that way. Um, I mean, you really can't imagine even Trudeau for as young and as, as, you know, allegedly attractive he is. Okay, he's kind of attractive, but whatever. I guess. I guess. And then, like, a, He's not my type. He's not my type either. I like, like my dudes a little bit with more conviction. Yeah. I and like realness. Beard. That's not a drug me sing thing. I just do. It's so <laughs> <laughs> it's a real affliction, you guys. It's a real, it's a real yeah. struggle. Honestly, so I many, love this episode. You know how many times before, like, never mind, this is, I'm not going to say it because in case someone hears this. That's okay, Aaron. We'll edit. I was going to say a shout out to you to uh, Vicky Motama's awesome yes. article that covers some of these issues and then goes into a real deep dive in terms of what organizing is happening around um, specifically the black vote and, like, is there a black, there isn't really a black vote, but getting. Uh, representation, getting the issues on the agenda and some of the ways, some of the political maneuvering had in the last, you know, owing to some of Trudeau's, um, you know, lack of lack of work and lack of diligence and commitment yes. to actually following through um, on some of the commitments he'd made to the black community. Or, yeah. Um, and it really kind of like, yeah, lays, lays that all bare um, in a really... Uh, yeah, she way, so. wrote a piece in the Globe and Mail. Um, I think it came out yesterday. some yesterday. And it talks specifically about the Black Vote. I also want to shout out Operation Black Vote um, that organizes around getting out the vote from the Black community. Shout out to them. Um, you know, I there there is there are grassroots organizing happening, mm-hmm. um, and there are people out there trying to make our vote matter more, make, uh, turn out the vote for particular communities. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, were I political party, that would be, I would have a database of all these people and cause I want to hear that shit, but that's me and that's how I would roll. But yeah. what do I know? Um, so if you can, after this election, please support those organizations. Mm-hmm. I will include bad and bitchy in there. Mm-hmm. Um, because why would I, um, please support them, please, uh, give them money, give them time, because I really do think that we are facing a future of fewer choices, not more. And if we don't contribute to how we want our Canada to look, then I, I really don't know what to say. Mm-hmm. Then you're and just no, profiting off the, off, off the work, work off others. Yeah. And you got to put the time in. I mean, there's no way around it. I mean, even for uh, the political parties, so in terms of formal politics, not just activism outside of it, but even within the parties, you know, you want to elect an ND, the NDP or you want to elect the Green Party or whoever in your riding and they haven't historically won join the writing association, put in the time, you start planning events, you start, you know, you can, you can knock on doors in between elections. That's how people yeah. win, you know, yeah. you start campaigning years out. Exactly. And year after year, election after election, because it's not going to happen overnight. No. Like, you know, a surge is great. It happens. It happens in a blue moon. 
you know, the NDP will hold on to some seats. They'll get some more seats, but it's not going to be an orange wave. The orange wave was an anomaly. Mm-hmm. Um, those things are atypical. Obviously, we had something similar to that, but it usually comes after many years of a regime change as it happened in Ontario, as it happened in 2015. But again, that was also because of work over many, many years. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you have to put in the time and you have to kind of build build these things up. There are a lot of ridings that have historically only ever voted one party. Yeah. I mean, you know, when you look at some of the ridings outside of the downtown core in Ottawa, and it's frustrating. Yeah. And you wonder how that happens. And in those ridings, there's a lot of demographic changes, a lot of newcomers, a yeah. lot of young people, a lot of racialized people moving into those ridings. How do we change how the people in that riding vote and get the new folks in the riding to actually have a voice and not still continue to be beholden to these old guard parties that have taken, you know, the votes in these particular ridings for granted. And, you know, I'm thinking of Ottawa South. I'm thinking of Ottawa Vanier, ridings that have only ever exclusively voted liberal. You think about, you know, David McGinty doesn't even have a Facebook page, doesn't do anything, doesn't, you know, has done nothing and wins with 80% of the Or Pierre Polyev. Pierre Polyev, who, you know, for a brief moment looked like he might be challenged this year, but no, he's going to get reelected. These people are... Um, you need to be challenged, and you know, even if you're unsuccessful, you have it's good to kind of have a presence. So, whether it's um, activism outside political parties or getting involved in parties and riding associations, there's so much that you can do. And if this election has left you feeling kind of frustrated and um, you know, like angry about the system, you 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 got to put in the time. You got to put in the time. You got to, you know, I had a I had an art teacher way back when who said to me, Erica, you have to know the rules to break the rules. Hmm. You got to know the system you're in. You got to know how it works. You got to know the levers before you can start um, manipulating those levers to your own benefit. And to be honest, if you really want to make change, all the work happens away from the election. Mm -hmm. Election is not the time where we should be discussing these issues. Election is the time where we should be vetting all of these candidates to make sure that they're reflecting the issues as we see them. Mm -hmm. And so what I'm trying to say is, people, if you want change, we have to make it happen. And we have to be somewhat responsible for our peace in it. <coughs> but also, when the time comes, we have to stand up for what's right. And what I see a lot of is a lot of people making excuses for all the wrong things so they could win in the short term, which will e- eventually erode mm-hmm. any sort of progress, medium and long term. Anyway, um, that's it for our episode our special election episode this week i wrote a piece about a historical piece about blackface in canada for the tie uh for their newsletter their election newsletter uh we'll post that up on facebook uh we already tweeted it out and we'll put it in the show notes until then uh until next time next week um all i have to say is go out there and vote vote your conscience fuck the strategic voting amy are we ready Bye. Bye.